Greetings, dear, dear listeners, and welcome to another episode of The Working Experience, a very warm, open-arm audio embrace and a squeeze. This episode is brought to you by my company, One Circle Media. One Circle Media is a hybrid digital agency and media content creator. We create and design apps, websites, videos, social media content, and physical products. We are artists, directors, designers, producers, coders, editors, thinkers, makers, and creators who embrace story and creativity from design, web and app development, animation, docs, features, TV shows, digital and social media content to physical products. For our clients, we create content that builds networks and audiences across multiple platforms. Check out our work at OneCircleDigital.com and OneCircleBrand.com. If you work for a network, studio, brand, startup, or corporation, and are looking for a partner to create media that will build, engage, and entertain, reach out to me at John at OneCircleMedia.com. I'd love to hear from you. Thanks, everyone, and I hope you enjoyed this episode of The Working Experience. The Working Experience. Route 93 North is almost at a standstill. It's a rough one out there this morning. Snow and sleet. There is no service on the... Stand clear of the closing doors, please. Uh, Yeah, folks, we're going to be a few minutes. We have train traffic ahead of us. We should be moving shortly. John, we need that report ASAP. Where are we on that presentation? And HR wants to see you. Did you return that email yet? We have a team meeting at 10. Did you stay late, Bob? Teamwork makes the dream work. <laughs> They're moving in a different direction. And after the meeting, we'll have a breakout session. Who ate my Where are my hot pockets? This microwave is disgusting. Oh, God, what's that? He was wow. living his Sexual toenails at his desk. I can't take it anymore. I can't take it anymore. Hey everybody, welcome to this episode of the Working Experience Podcast. My guest today is Zaire Silva. Zaire is an actor of stage and screen, as well as a producer and writer. Welcome, Zaire. I like how you said that, actor of stage and screen. <laughs> actor of stage and screen. That's gravitas. Well, it's true, right? Yep, it is. Yeah, it is. Absolutely. Absolutely. All right. So uh, can you, uh, well, a little background here. I've known Zaire since about 2017. We worked on a short film called HR and got to know each other there. He was producer of that. And uh, then we worked together again just a few months ago on a movie called Dash, which is currently in post-production. And Zaire was the lead on that. So he is a man of many talents. Um, (laughs) Many, many, many talents. (laughs) Uh, Difficult to work with in most (laughs) regards, but that's actors, you know. Bit of a bit of a prima donna. Try that's all right. We'll, we'll, you know. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Well, you got to <laughs> keep people like me in line. You know, that's stake your claim. All right. Well, can you uh, tell us a little bit about yourself? Where you're from? Uh, what brought you to acting? That kind of thing. Mm. Uh, so I was born in Cape Verde, in Praia. Um, so I came to the U.S. in 2001. Uh, did because my parents were here already didn't really know what I wanted to do with my life although uh they were influencing me in 
several directions, like doctor, lawyer, you know, the mm. usual. Yeah. Um, but I did not want to do any of that. Um, How old were you when you came? I was 10, about to turn 11. Okay. It was right, right before 9-11. So it was a very confusing time to adapt. Yeah. So yeah. You, came, you were like fourth grade, fifth grade, somewhere around there? No, I was in the sixth grade. Sixth grade. Okay. Yeah. All right. Um, yeah. So had to adjust to living in Dorchester at the time. It was very hood. <laughs> uh, didn't know uh, how to deal with that. But um, then at school, I wasn't doing too well. Um, troubled child, always getting in trouble. Every day, my parents would get a call from the school, um, either in school suspension, detention. My grades weren't good. So uh, at some point, my cousin uh, at the church, so I was a Catholic at the time, invited me to do a little small part in a play. Um, and I'm like, there's, I'm not doing anything better with my time, so might as well, right? Yeah. And just... I remember when I got on stage and we did the performance, right? Although I only appeared for a little bit of time, it was the only time I felt at home. You know, I felt that that sense of belonging or worth or whatever um, shit people say. Um, and from there, it kind of like gave birth to something inside me. But uh, then my parents decided they were going to move back to Cape Verde. Um, and since I was the only child who was under 18, uh, um, I have five siblings uh, here. Um, they decided to take me back with them. But at that point, I really, really wanted to explore um, acting. I wanted to figure out what it is uh, that drew me to it. So... I found my way back here and started out with a program at the Strand Theater where I did Shakespeare. And then it was like a month after I got into it, my school coincidentally was doing a Shakespeare contest. Um, and so my friend was doing it. So I'm like, okay, we're gonna, we're gonna do this contest together. So I won the contest for the school, so I had to go to the state competition to represent the school. And then um, I was chosen to be one of the finalists. Um, and then we went to the finals because the, there was a separate competition for the top 10, right, of the state. And uh, little did I know they introduced because we had to do a monologue and a sonnet. Little did I know on, in the finals, they also introduced uh, cold reading, which to this day is my biggest weakness. I, I am terrified <laughs> of cold mm -hmm. reading because as soon as I get a text, even if it's not cold, even if I'm just on book, for some reason until it's, I memorize it, I can give it nothing. I, I have nothing to give with it. Um, and it's still something I'm trying to address but from there, I um, got a scholarship. One of the judges saw me and wanted to invest in me. So she gave me a scholarship to Emerson Summer Stage Program. Went there, learned a few things, um, 
and then somebody wanted me to go to Boston Arts Academy. But um, the phone call I had, it sounded like they wanted me to beg for a spot or something. And I wasn't going to do that. Um, and so what I did instead is I stayed at my school at South Boston High and I created a drama club. Right. And I um, brought up all the things, all the exercises, everything I had learned at Emerson, brought it to um, to our school. And we had a pretty fun drama class um, after school. And uh, we also were practicing for the next year's Shakespeare competition. And I was just sharing with them my experience and trying to, you know, trying to just share what I had learned. Um, from there, I got offered a role in a professional play at Actor Shakespeare Project when I was a senior. And my grades had drastically changed by that time because I kind of knew I wanted to go to a school where I could learn, um, learn the craft because I had no idea like the techniques to use to do certain things and I, I i still had a lot ahead of me to learn and i still do um and so i improved my grades um senior year i auditioned to uh, uh for a few schools one in particular was uh juilliard right and i remember my parents were so against me going to new york to audition for these schools because they they wanted me to get out of this phase Right. And so I had to escape the house at night. So I was awake the whole day, went to school, escaped the house at night, took the Chinatown bus, went to New York, was awake the whole time, uh, couldn't sleep on the bus, probably anxiousness. I don't know. Got there. Didn't expect much from Juilliard. Right. Um, but I just wanted to go and do it. Uh, waited till like around noon, did my audition. There's a bunch of people, thousands of people. And then they posted four names. And my name was there as a callback. But the callback was that night. So I had to stay there till the nighttime. And I remember getting into the callback audition, sitting down, beginning my monologue. And I faded out. I was sleeping, <laughs> waking up and sleeping and waking up and sleeping. And I think at that point, I realized, okay, I got a call back for Juilliard. Let me try some more schools. Let me audition. And then I ended up at Manhattanville College, which was my vibe. Because growing up in a sheltered home, I felt more comfort comfortable in a small school where it was private. It was at uh, Purchase, New York. It was um, not many students and a lot of international students. So I could relate. Um, and it, I ended up uh, auditioning there, getting a performing arts scholarship. And so I went there. Um, but then after two years, we got into it deep with acting and I was learning, you know, things about voice and speech and certain habits I had and I had to break and I didn't know how to have conversations with people, all these things I had to learn from scratch. Right. Um, didn't know how to socialize. And then um, I had somewhat of a mental breakdown, you could say, because they were forcing me to 
kind of become in tune with myself. And that meant going back to my childhood and dealing with things I wasn't ready for. Right. Um, but also I was overworking myself because I was hoping that at one point my parents would come out to watch one of the plays. So I would do like four or five plays a semester while I'm taking the maximum credits I could take because I was like wanting to learn as much as possible. Right. Um, and so after two years, I've experienced that fatigue in combination with the mental breakdown, but I wasn't, you know, I was raised to be a man and that meant um, you don't show weakness. You don't tell anybody. So I created lies for why I was, um, why I dropped out and created stories for this and that and the other. Um, and I dealt with those mental things by myself for years to the point where when I got back I uh, to Boston, I was auditioning. I'd get callback auditions. And then I get to the door uh, of my house trying to leave to go to the callback audition. And I convinced myself I wasn't good enough um, and, and that I wasn't worth it. So then for years, I just kept staying to myself. And times I wouldn't leave the house for like three months straight. Um, while also having to pay bills, <laughs> it became complicated. Uh, got into, built some bad habits, uh, got some crazy addictions. Um, and so then I ended up meeting Rui at Anawan Studios, the company we worked together on your, um, on your project. Uh, and we had built a, a company together and it was a good time. It was, uh, we did, we had a fun time. We had, we did a lot of music videos. Uh, we did a couple of short films. Um, we did some commercials, but at some point I felt like I, or I realized I was just running away and hiding from my craft because I didn't feel like I was good enough because I, you know, because I, time had passed by and I was just, um, continuously, saying to myself oh when when i get to this point then i'll i'll go start audition when i get to and then time just kept passing and then i just kept delving into the that new point that habits. point never that point never comes no never <laughs> comes. Never. I, I think everybody who's been doing anything creative has to realize that point never comes yep whatever you're waiting for is never going to come exactly yeah and it still hasn't come. <laughs> no, I know, I know, I don't know. Just waiting around. So, how did you meet? How did you actually meet Rui? Through my brother. Uh, okay. He was he was doing a short film called Crossroads, and he needed somebody to play one of the roles. And somebody, I guess he had he had somebody, but they backed out last minute. So I came on set um, and did the part. Was learning the lines as we were doing the um, the the film. Yeah. Okay. So you met those guys, you were doing a bit of the producing stuff, and then you, you decided you wanted to get back into acting. Yeah. Okay. Went uh went and took some classes, one in particular, where they had a um performance at the end, right? And so you get to to have uh different producers, play producers, right? around Boston and directors come and watch and recruit you for, for different roles and whatnot. Um, at first, man, 
when I when I first took the class, I guess because I hadn't stretched those muscles in a while, the acting muscle, man, I I was defeated. <laughs> I thought I was done. I'm like, oh man. Um, and then eventually I caught on. I something like I guess this comes from sport too whenever i have my worst days or my worst losses the next day is the best because i i i allow myself to to feel that defeat but not for it to consume me um but the next day i just focus on the minor details of what i did wrong what what i could have done better and just work at it work at it work at it and then eventually um i i think i had pretty good results and when we did the performances i had a lot of interest and it led to uh a lot of the roles i i've had since then um yeah i think people you know especially with creative stuff like people either think they're good at it or they're not and they don't yeah kind of clue into like you can get better at writing acting I mean, you may not win an Oscar, but I mean, you can get better at it if you just work at it. And a lot of people, stand-up comedy, whatever it is. Yeah. It's always kind of interesting when people don't. Uh... Can you um? Can you just explain, just to go back to, because we were going to get into, um, uh, you know, basically like the some of the purpose of the working experience is the podcast is to talk to people about what they do and, and then... Because there, there's a lot of people want to be actors, and I think a lot of people don't really understand all that goes into it. And so you mentioned like a cold reading. What is a cold reading? It's when they give you the script um, either right away or they give you like 20 minutes to, to work on it or so. And uh, you have to read it try to get acquainted with the with the script try to get acquainted with the language and then go and um read it in front of the people auditioning you so they may give you a script say prep this mm -hmm. you do that and then they say oh by the way here's here's another thing we want you to do yeah wow. i've never really understood the purpose of that because i mean <clears throat> <laughs> really it's not Im i mean if it's improv i get that but i mean i don't really i never really got that like why I guess they want to see how you react and yeah. I don't really the one some, thing it is a skill. Some some people become really good at cold reading to the point where they create like they create these characters right away. Um yeah. And you can see a lot of what they can do through it, I guess. Not, Maybe not if that. I mean there's like um he uh Christopher Guest and Eugene Levy, they did like Waiting for Guffman, they did Best in Show, like they don't write scripts for those. It's all improv. Like they set up a story, <clears throat> yeah. but there's no dialogue. So maybe if, if that's the case. Um, so when you were talking about like, because, you know, I guess there's more than goes into it than just there's the business aspect of it. So when you were talking about you had to learn how to socialize, did you mean like networking and talking to people like that? No. Um, so throughout my high school and uh, middle school days, I never spoke like in class people. It was to the point where teachers didn't know I, I spoke English um, up until I did a play at my school and everyone was like, whoa, you can speak and you can speak loudly. 
Um, and then I went right back to not talking again. Uh, so it's just, I didn't really know on stage I could, because I was under the, the blanket and the shelter of, uh, this imaginary world where I didn't have to face the fact that I had no social skills, um, I could communicate then, but in a real life setting, especially if I didn't know the person, it would be borderline impossible for me to have a conversation and if i was having a conversation if you were asking me questions you could barely hear me because i was a low talker i was mumbling everything that displayed a lack of confidence looking down closing my mouth after saying each word every little thing i i had each of those bad habits because i never really learned how to socialize Mm -hmm. so well I mean, I've seen on set and things like that, there is definitely a social aspect to it, you know, Mm -hmm. especially if you want to work. I mean, I see actors talking to each other all the time and yeah, that that would get very tedious for me. I don't really, I mean, after about a half hour, I'd be like, I don't really want to sit here and chat with you. (laughs) (laughs) But but... I think even in acting, right, because there's a a component of um, having a conversation when, when you're in a scene, right? Yeah. And so I felt like I knew how to perform a conversation, but I never knew how to really be in the situation and connect with somebody, connect with an, another human being. So it wasn't necessarily um, learning how to socialize just for the purpose of socializing. It was more for being able to have a real conversation while in an imaginary circumstance. Yeah, because it's got to come off as natural. Yes. And you got to react to what the other person not yes. i mean you can tell when an actor is just saying their lines yes and not responding to the person who's across from them or yeah. their situation yeah yeah there is uh there's definitely all that um so who i mean i kind of know let me skip to this question here uh because we i mean i wrote and directed the movie that we just did so uh I, I kind of know some of this, but how do you prep for a role? Like, let's say you got the part, you're going to play this character. Like, what exactly do you do to get ready for that? Um, I'd start even before, let's say, prepping for a role, right? Because as an actor, obviously, there's the business end, but then you have your instrument and then you have your craft, right? The, the instrument part of it, right, is making sure that um, your voice, your body, your breath, uh, your mind, that your your imagination, your instinct, that all those things, you're continuously cultivating them on a daily basis so that when you do have a part, you have your you're like this vessel that I, that is able to do more right is able to be more flexible and um express in more situations but also the 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 little things like being clear so that people can understand what you're saying um filling up a room with your voice so that people can hear you but also you're not screaming or you're not talking too low um all those things are things you I feel like you should develop 
on a daily basis before even getting the part. So um, even if you don't have a specific role, you're kind of like an athlete. You're staying in shape. Yes, I'm. I'm not as consistent as I should be, um, but I'm trying to build those habits. I'm trying to replace the bad habits I've had before and build those habits. And uh, lately, I've you know on and off, but very recently, so far for the last week and a half or so, I've been consistent because I'm I'm trying for next year to um, start building up towards a career. Um, and so I'm I'm trying to take it more seriously now. Uh, but yes, as, just like an athlete um, should be stretching every day, you should be uh, working on your instrument every day, you should be uh, doing those reps every day, even if uh, uh, you, you're reading plays every week just to get accustomed to what's what's out there right now, the language, the everything. Um, Met with uh, exercising your brain by memorizing things, um, all those things they matter and they if uh, I think they lead to greater performances down the line. Um, but then when you get a script, right? I think I don't see enough actors memorizing, including myself, um, memorizing something to the point where no matter what happens, no matter what happens, you are in no danger of ever forgetting your lines. Meaning just like, so I was doing the show Coriolanus, right? And there was a baby in the audience and he was crying the whole time, right? And if you don't really know your lines fully, that will bother you. I'd say for that one, I was, although I learned my lines late, I learned them so well that the baby didn't bother me. I even knew some of the other people's lines. If they dropped a line, I could pick them up. You know what I mean? Um, and in other situations, I didn't know my lines that well. And uh, where, you know, I could obviously say them under the right circumstances and under low pressure or not enough noise or not, or something goes wrong on stage, something drops on stage. And then all of a sudden now your brain is all hyperactive and you're, you're there like, oh shit, I don't know what to say. Right. Um, and I, I think the difference between just knowing your lines and really, really, really knowing your lines um can make a difference because it can release you from trying to remember or uh, did I get that right type shit and bring and settle you into the moment so that you're just listening to the other person and you're not worried about whether you know your lines or not, but you're having a, a real life experience. Right. And I think it starts with that. Right. Um, I tend to find uh, unlike other people who, they tend to create a character and background story. I learned all those techniques, but I, I more try to find my character first through my relationships in rehearsal, right? So, because if I, I don't like to come with preconceived notions of what this is or what who I am or this and that or the other, because I feel like it's hard to reverse them. So I try to come in with a clean slate and talk to the other person, see what I'm getting, see what's what's going on there, unless uh, the director or somebody else has a specific thing in mind that they want from me, then obviously I have to adapt to that. Um, and then also still try to leave room to find new things. Um, and so 
I tr- I often find things that I couldn't have imagined reading or um, reading the script that I would find just by how someone said something or how somebody interacted with me in a moment. And then I realized, oh, this is what's going on here. And I realized how I, I reacted informed me about my character. And then I can go back and see if I can, you know, based on the, the findings there, let me see what I can add to it. Let me see how many layers I can bring here. I haven't really um, experiment too, experimented too much with um, posture and movement. I did some, but I, I could do more. Um, I think I valued truth in the moment and uh, listening and responding a lot more than the other stuff. And I think the other stuff is important as well. And so I think my next journey is to really, really go into depth and detail about creating uh, someone from scratch, like how you walk, how you talk, um, et cetera, et cetera. Well, I noticed you um, you would also ask me questions. Yes. And they, they prompted, like, uh, your character was a recovering alcoholic, and you texted me how long has he been either how long has he been in AA or how many meetings has he gone to? And I'm like, I hadn't even really thought about it. And that, that <laughs> is something I really should have thought about. Cause that really does inform the character. Like if you've only been going a little while, you, yeah. you would act like you were acting. If you've been yeah. going for five years, you'd be a lot different. Yeah. So I find those questions very, I like it when actors ask questions because then I'm, it generally prompts me to be like, Okay, I got to think about that a little bit more. Yeah, true. That's a big help. Um, So when you read a script, I mean, is there a script for a play or a movie where you might be like, nah, I don't want to do this? Or you look (laughs) at it and you're like, oh, this is really good. Like, this is intriguing. Like, what's like, what are you looking for? Either you would want it to be there or you don't want it to be there or... I think I'm not the best judge for myself because mm. uh, oftentimes I'll read a script. There are times where I read scripts and I was immediately connected, right? Mm. Just like your script, for example, I was immediately connected because um, I, I, although I haven't been through the exact things that the person's gone through, I'm in a similar place in my life, mm. right? And I've gone through similar things. And so the the subject matter and the issues matter to me personally, you know. Um, but there there are scripts where I'm like, ah, I don't know if I'll do this. I don't know. But most often than not, I'm completely wrong about it because maybe I'm uh, saying no because it's coming from a place of fear, or maybe I think that. Um, Oh, this role doesn't have enough pizzazz for me to like. I think there's always this thing of like you wanting to to show what you can do in your best light and all that blah. That yeah. shit doesn't matter, right? Yeah. But if um you really give into a role and you're breathing life into it, uh I, I think as long as the audience is enjoying this the journey and the story it doesn't matter if you stand out or, and I think in that moment you stand out even more because you took them on a journey. You know what I mean? 
um, and you stand out together as a cast. I, right. I, and I think that's the most rewarding experiences. But if I were to tell you the things that if I look at a script, I know I, I'll be successful at is any script that has some, my character has a speech of some sort, some kind of powerful speech. I know I'm going to, I'm going to nail that shit. Cause just, I think from starting with monologues in my background and like really, really working on those things, but then also um, letting go of the tools I've learned to to just find the things in the moment and as long as you know what you want from the other person or whoever you're talking to in in certain situations and how important it is to you uh i think whenever i see those type of monologue those type of things in a in a script then i know okay i can bang this shit out mm-hmm. um anything that's really dark I usually know and I usually have a connection to because of, I guess you could say over the years, my relationship with darkness, my relationship with addiction and trauma and all those things. And so I'm, I, it makes me drawn to those things versus if you show me something, a play that's very light and happy I might be skeptical because that's not necessarily a reality I attach myself to, right? But then when you when you give yourself to it and you do it, you realize you're not the best. At least for me, I'm I'm not the best critic for it because it's just as fun. It's just as rewarding. Um, so yeah, yeah, it's hard because you know it's like you're reading words on a page, and it's like. I don't even know how this is supposed to, you know, and then once it's edited <laughs> together and yeah, I know it's, and I've seen some stuff where I'm like, everybody loved it. And I'm like, seriously, like I, I that was ridiculous. And then other things I'm like, wow, I can't believe I enjoyed that so much. Like it was, it seemed like kind of like nothing, but it, I don't know. It's characters. It, I just saw yesterday. What was it? Uh, Glass onion. It's kind of the sequel to knives out. And if it wasn't for like Daniel Craig, Ed Norton, um, and the whole cast, like it was kind of a dumb story, but they're so good that yeah. I just loved watching them. You know, yeah. if, if it had been anybody else, I I don't think it would have uh you know, would have resonated. But and and sometimes movies are just fun to watch. They don't yeah. really have to what was it, uh Snakes on a Plane? You remember that movie? <laughs> was that Samuel Jackson? Yes. And I, yeah and i think he said uh look not every movie has to change the social fabric of society in yeah. our life. <laughs> this is very true sometimes we just want to be entertained you know yes. yeah we don't always have to be enlightened um, <laughs> what was i gonna say here so who do you um okay i mean i kind of know the answer to this question but uh, who do you take as like inspiration for acting? Like, who do you look at and you're like, I really emulate that person and his or her technique and the movies they're in? Before I give you the obvious answer, who's, you know, the Jesus Christ of acting, yeah, Al Pacino. But yeah. <laughs> uh, I think as a child, uh, my biggest inspiration was probably Adam Sandler. Uh, 
Really? Adam Sandler? Yes. I remember somebody judging me about that because they're like, oh, not Denzel Washington, not this and that. (laughs) But, um, I would not have pulled that name out of out of the hat. No, <laughs> I really would not have. Especially Shakespeare <laughs> and Adam Sandler. Okay, okay, I love all Adam right. Sandler. I think it's just like you said. I think the movies that I've enjoyed the most aren't necessarily like the the best movies per se, or mm-hmm. have the biggest cultural influence or anything yeah. like that. Yeah. I think what Adam Sander did was effective and he always made me want to watch his movies. Uh, same with Will Ferrell. I love Will Ferrell, Steve Carell. Yeah. Um, all, all, I think good examples of what I'm drawn to when I watch things. Right. Um, but then you have, as far as like Al Pacino, uh, that's to me like, that's that's what i want to be like <laughs> you know what i mean but yeah although i don't think stylistically we're we're anywhere near the same um but that's somebody i look up to uh as an actor yeah he has such an interesting backstory that guy like he was basically a homeless teenager and yeah was hanging around this theater in greenwich village and then I don't think he'd been really in anything before The Godfather. I don't. I think he'd been in some stage plays, but I don't think any films. He did. He, he did. He did. He was in something. Was he? Can't remember the name. Probably Panic in Needle Park or one mm. of those. One of okay. those movies. And they wanted to fire him. Yes, like he, he was gone. Yeah. And then, yeah. yeah, I know. It's uh, that's a really inspiring story for like every. They wanted to fire Francis Ford Coppola. They wanted to fire yeah. everybody and. Did you watch Never. that show about how they made The Godfather? I didn't watch that. I've watched the commentaries that Coppola does a number of times, and he talks about that. He talks about like being in the bathroom, and these crew guys come in, and they're like, what an idiot this guy is. He has no <laughs> idea what he's doing. And he's like, I just felt like quitting. Like, what? The, nobody liked him, and, you know, and yeah. it was just like really... And you do feel like that. Like, I've certainly felt like that, where I'm just like, I have no idea what I'm doing. And everybody knows I have no idea what I'm doing. And I just think, if you're not comfortable, if you're not okay with that, with looking like an idiot, and everybody thinking you're an idiot, then you should go do something else. Because I think if you're really putting yourself into it, you're going to be embarrassed, you're going to be afraid, you're going to get mad, you're going to, you know, because you're really... You know, you're putting yourself out there, and for me, that's not comfortable. So, sure. but uh, I think I, don't know. I enjoy take it. that for granted because they come into acting thinking like, "Oh, I, I'll be a good actor. I can cry on cue, or I can." I'm just like, "Fuck, man!" <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's a lot more. Than <laughs> I have heard more people, and this is such a strange phenomenon, who have never acted before, because uh-huh. you know, I'd mention I'm worth. Oh, I'm I'm a great actor. I'm like, how, <laughs> why are you saying it's like me saying I'm a great basketball player or a hockey player? I don't even know how to skate, and they just sort of assume that you can do it. I'm like, well, <laughs> you've watched some movies and you've seen like the fruition of years of, yeah. or like watching a stand up comic. Like, this person's been at it for like 15 years, and like, you never saw any of that, but 
I think also sometimes when they see great actors who put a lot of work into their craft, they make it look easy. Yeah. And so I think you get the the idea that it's easy and that you can do it. And maybe you can, but it's not going to be just like that, (laughs) you know? (laughs) Well, I mean, like, how would you... I mean, I think that is the essence of greatness in, in sports, anything. Like if you make it look easy, yeah, and you make it look like anybody can do it, yeah, you're great. Like you are really, really. I mean, you take I don't know, you know, Michael Jordan, or you take Al Pacino, or you. It looks like they just kind of show up and you know do it, and it's like yeah. you have not seen all the years of that good prep, and you know, I I remember hearing the story about I think it was Ray Liotta was talking about Goodfellas. Mm-hmm. And he'd been in a few movies, and then he's in with Robert De Niro, and he said, you know, they had a script meeting, and he looked over, and De Niro's script was just covered in notes. Covered. And he was like, oh my, like, like he sits <laughs> home and reads, and like, he yeah. would meet with Henry, not, yeah, with Henry Hill, ask about that, how did the guy hold his shot glass, how did he hold his cigarette, how did he do this and that, and like, people don't see that stuff. Yeah. Know? And that's the most interesting part to me. Like that stuff is, if you like doing that, then I think, or with anything, like if you, you know, if you play basketball and you love drilling at 6 a.m. and going to the weight room, and I, yeah. you're going to be good at it. You know, yeah. you, you have that drive. It's hard though. It's hard to to fall in love with the, with the grind. And I think yes. that's been one of the hardest things, especially if you come into acting and for me specifically, right? I came in with us uh, certain things available to me, right? Because I had been in certain situations in life that made it easier to empathize with certain roles, or whether it be my ability to to project or just whatever. Um, I don't know if it's talent or if it's uh, whatever you're bringing to the table that you already have. Uh, or that you've built up throughout your life. Um, it's harder, I think, when you come in with those things to fall in love with the grind, or at least it was for me, because you know that regardless of how much work you put in, the minimum result, you're always going to get a, a good um, reaction from. And so it, it makes you lazy. Um, or at least the, I, my response to it was laziness and I'm trying right now hard to fall in love with the grind because it's, it's kind of like a prison in your mind when you know what you're capable of, regardless of what someone else's reaction of what you're doing is, whether they think it's great or it's the best thing they've seen, you know what you're capable of. But you continuously fall short of that by a long shot. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think that's that's the next part of my journey is really falling in love with the grind. I could at this point in my life, I could care less about the career for right now because it's nothing until I can achieve that level of set satisfaction to say, regardless of what anyone else thinks, I put in the work and this is, this feels like the best I could do at this current moment in my life. Well, it, there's just so much beyond 
your control, my control. Like, I mean, you can turn in the best performance ever, and if it doesn't get cut right, it doesn't yeah. get seen by P. I mean, it's just so much. So let me put, I've said this before on this podcast, we did HR together. That yeah. was submitted to 23 festivals. Do you know how many festivals it was accepted into? No. Zero. It got yeah. into no festivals. <laughs> uh but i love doing it i mean i can't i can control certain things it was too long you know it was kind of pieced together could have been done better uh you know but i mean to me like creativity i don't know i don't really think of it in terms of mistakes i mean yeah you know it's not filling out a driver's license application but i think that's where you really got to figure like all right do i really love doing this or do i just want to get you know rich or famous or want attention for it because i don't know like maybe it will get into festivals maybe it won't i really don't so i better enjoy doing it yeah otherwise what am i doing it for I yeah mean, you might as well play the lottery or something like that because i mean <laughs> honestly I think, and, you know i think at times even when you enjoy doing it it's still hard just like a, let's say because i play basketball a lot right um it's easy to go and play basketball all day long i think the hard part is going in the gym by yourself and taking a thousand shots or whatever it may mm -hmm. be falling in love with that grind going in the weight room and doing all the the tedious things and i think it is hard to fall in love with that it's not that you don't love the game it's just if you haven't learned discipline it's mm -hmm. one of the hardest things i think to to teach yourself right and it's a journey um but like i said that's that's one of the things for me that needs to be the next part well just putting i mean you got to get for a movie you got to get locations you got to mm -hmm. rent equipment you got to schedule everybody you got to do rehearsals you got to feed everybody you got to get wardrobe together like it's exhausting and it's tedious but some part of me still loves that because you, you're seeing everything slowly come together like we figured out what shirt you're gonna wear. Yeah. You and I talked about hats, yeah. your beard, your haircut. Like it's, and sometimes you can get maddening because someone will be like, <laughs> "Well, what am I supposed to wear in this?" I'm like, "I don't know. Just wear a t-shirt. Like I don't care." <laughs> yeah. you know? But then I have to sit down and be like, "No, give it some thought. Give this some thought. Come on." And, yeah. and it can get frustrating. But it's like yeah. once you've done it once and you see it can work then then you can almost think like okay i've done this once maybe it wasn't very good but at least i know i can do it and yeah. now i can start to really think about how to do it well you know i mean it's almost a miracle that it comes together because there's so much there's so much stuff that has to happen and so many things that can go wrong yeah it's like wow we actually got this done like we like we had an actor get sick we couldn't shoot that day um we had a location fault. We could never find an auditorium to shoot the scene, the theater scene, which floored me. I'm like, that was the last thing I was worried about. I had no doubt we could land a location in some high school. What? What's yeah. the problem? Yeah. Well, we found out what the problem was. <laughs> and I was <laughs> like, are you kidding me? Like, this is the biggest thing. And so before I go off on all of that... Uh, <laughs> But yeah, you gotta you gotta love, and that's where most people drop out. You know, they just 
Yeah. They don't want to, you know, deal with all the details. It's like, well, when you get big enough for someone to do that for you, great. You know, that's that's awesome. But right now, I I got to do those things. So, you know. Yeah. Um, plus, I got to deal with actors and the egos <laughs> and all the problems that they bring. <laughs> and I'm like, can you just say your lines? Can you just say your lines? That's all I want you to do. <laughs> just stand in front of the camera and just say your lines and stop asking me questions. And, yeah. uh, so what do you, I mean, I, I really enjoy being on set. I, I, I relish all the stuff that has to happen those eight days. I love that. So what, well, first of all, do you enjoy being on set? And if you do, what, what is it that you like about it? Are you asking? So yes, of course I enjoy being on set. Um, I think though, the, the thing, let me take it back to the theater first. The thing that I enjoy most is being at rehearsal. Um, I think that's where you you build these connections, but that's where you're building something. But you're also creating this this camaraderie and this team. Uh, and as far as film, I feel like from the experiences I've had, because I've only been on um, independent uh, film sets, right? From the experiences I've had the set is where we've built most of that um, teamwork and camaraderie. And that's where we've had the most fun. I like going uh, into a scene and doing whatever it is we're doing, whether it's serious or whatnot, and then coming out of it, making jokes and, you know, just having lunch together, saying weird, <laughs> random shit. <laughs> There's a lot of that on Animal <laughs> Yeah, a lot of that. <laughs> Having conversations about whether something is related to religion or science. <laughs> yep, had a lot of that. Sean Washington, little plug for Sean oh, yes. Washington. He's, he's a, he's a, he's I still don't know. I still don't know with him, and that's what's so fascinating. Yeah. But I think all of that, there is a place for, like, when you say action, that all that stuff is fun. But I think um, what's most fun is practicing the stuff and making new discoveries, but also building these relationships, both um, at rehearsal, on camera, and when um, when you yell cut and we're just talking random shit. One of the most rewarding times I had was working with you and Paul Benford Bruce uh, who plays your kind of mentor who comes out of nowhere when we were at the the outside mm -hmm. and because that scene came out completely different from the way I had envisioned yeah because Paul was a lot different from the person I originally thought I thought it would be like a younger guy maybe in his 40s yeah and Paul was primarily a stage actor yeah which worked perfectly for that role and I hadn't planned that Paul just so uh Paul came to me through Zaire. You guys have done theater together. Yes. And he'd actually played your father a couple of times, yes. right? Yeah. Yes. And that was great. I mean, watching, I mean, you were pretty much, that character was pretty much the way I thought, but his character, mm -hmm. that came out so much differently. And that was really rewarding watching that happen and being, and as you said, making those discoveries, that is really 
it's hard to put a word to it. No, it's not fun. It's just fascinating. It's absolutely fascinating to me. Yeah. You know, so, and that only comes out of that creative process. Yeah. And especially yeah. that scene felt really real. The conversation was just real. It didn't feel like we were doing a scene at all. Well, it was so fortunate. You guys already knew each other so well. You'd already mm -hmm. acted together. Yeah. And, and an interesting side note, we lost the light. We couldn't do the pivotal scene lines <laughs> for him and i was like yeah. are you kidding me i looked at Louie, i'm like what are you talking about he's like well we lost the light about 10 minutes ago i'm like what are we doing here what do you mean <laughs> and he goes well we could just shoot the whole scene over again i'm like no 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 no, no. <laughs> i was like i had to take about five minutes to be like i'm really kind of mad right now <laughs> <laughs> but then we flip we we switched it to doing it actually in the theater and yeah. that works. I I haven't seen the cut yet, but I think that works a lot better. So it's those weird things that happen where it seems like a catastrophe, and then it's like, all right, how do we fix this? How do we? You know, <laughs> yeah, I can lost the light. I don't. I'm just like, all right. And then there was that woman <laughs> who was heckling you. Uh, uh, <laughs> we we, we so our audience. <laughs> we shot in Brockton, Mass, which is. Uh, little on the gritty side you might say a mm -hmm. little little especially bit and especially that area that was like one of those short stay hotels mm -hmm. i don't really know what it was <laughs> and this woman uh at first i thought she was kind of with us and then she seemed to sort of turn against us yeah i thought you said something to her i thought you guys had some sort of confrontation or something oh at first um at first i didn't at first she was just there playing fart sounds on her phone and trying to be funny while we're doing the scene. <laughs> um, that stuff isn't, isn't really that distracting. No. But then she started doing things that were like intentionally trying to sabotage yes. the scene, right? Yes. And then, I, you know, so I had some not so kind words for her, but not in like an aggressive way. It was more just like, hey, yeah, I'm talking to you. You're yeah. whatever I <laughs> expressed you to be yeah you're a bitch <laughs> yeah well that's why we have to do adr which for our audience is additional dialogue recording we have to do it specifically for that scene because of that yeah. woman so those things happen when you're out shooting on location and uh don't have i don't know 15 million dollars <laughs> to lock it down and all that uh so what other issues you know might arise you know, with a director or something like that, where you're like, I don't know if you've been in this situation in a play or a, a film where you're kind of like, I don't know, I'm not getting from this person what I need or I'm not, we're not communicating. I don't um, know if that's ever gone on. I don't know that. So I don't know that that's gone on. I've definitely been in situations where I felt like there were missed opportunities. Right. Um, for example, when we did uh, the short film Fire, I don't know if you saw it, but yes. um, you were uh, Brandon Scales played the detective. Yeah. Yeah, I saw that. Um, I felt like there was an there were opportunities there where only an outside eye um, could have guided us into the into the right direction, because sometimes you're. Like for me, I was so involved, especially because I wrote it, right? 
I was so involved with it that I couldn't see the things that um, I could have done differently or better. There was there was room for uh, pace, space, and purpose, right? Um, and I feel like my purpose was clear in throughout the whole scene. The pacing was very slow, and I wasn't giving enough space at certain moments for the audience to digest. Um, and so that right there, that's one of the things that I, I felt like um, was a missed opportunity for something that could have been better, right? Mm -hmm. um, and a lot of other situations where there were missed opportunities, uh, but mostly I'd say in those situations, any other situation, I'd say mainly it was my fault um, because I only look specifically for what I could have done or what I could have seen um, that could have changed uh, the trajectory of where, what, not that those things came out bad. I think they, um, most of the time I've had really good experiences. It's just that you always want the best possible experience. Mm -hmm right? The best possible thing you can get out of something. And it, especially when you realize way after you do the show, oh shit, I could have done this with the character. Or if you're on the like eighth performance and you just made a discovery like, oh, this is what this scene means. Yeah. And then you, you're like, fuck. Or you already did a bunch of takes and then you realize on the final take, this is what this scene actually means. We can't go back and redo it. But then you're just like, fuck. How you know what I mean? How, yeah. how how do I move on from that and let that go, knowing now what I know and what it could have been? I don't think there's anybody who can watch their own performance or their own movie and not be like, God, why didn't I do that? Or why didn't I? <laughs> I didn't. Yeah, how did I miss that? Like, how did I not? Because you're always like moving on. You're always. Yeah. You know, it's hard to focus on the moment, you know, and yeah. and time. You're always racing the clock, you know. You always gotta get out of there and get to the next thing. And did you direct that movie as well? No. Okay. No. But yeah, it's well. I remember watching, uh, and I always take consolation from watching like movies with directors' commentaries because you realize like how much stuff goes. Like I was watching the one for uh, Out of Sight with George Clooney, Jennifer Lopez. Mm -hmm. Steven Soderbergh directed it and he's he's doing a commentary I think with the writer or the DP and it was during the prison break and he's like oh I should have had more extras in the background there like I should have had more you know and the yeah. other guy's like nobody notices that and he goes I do like, <laughs> and you know that's the only thing he's looking at he's not looking at it, that happens all the time it's like why didn't i he's wearing that hat why is he wearing that hat he should and like nobody cares like no one cares about the hat <laughs> or whatever it is but i, I it's impossible like it's imp that's why you got to give it to other people and let yeah. them watch it or yeah. read it or something like that but uh all right so we're just about at the end here so i'm just going to wrap up like i always do with my guests what advice do you have for people who want to be, because there's millions of them, people who want to be actors, want to get in the game. One thing, the first thing I'd say is really, really find out whether 
that desire to be an actor is really um, something pure, meaning something that you just want to act no matter what. You just want to do this. Or is it attention and val validation um, through being famous and rich and all that stuff? Because, um, you know, not just because of the odds of you making it or not, but just because when times get hard, are you really going to stick to it if it's not something you really want? Um, I think that's the question. And do you want to waste your time chasing something that even if you do capture it, may not fulfill you? Um, and is it is your life worth just being shallow or doing things that just shows that you're valuable to other people, but maybe you don't feel value, valuable yourself. Um, I think that's the first thing, uh, figure that out, or maybe experiment with it to see if that's something you really, really enjoy and you really have a passion for. Um, the second thing is definitely find a way to fall in love with the grind. Start with that before anything else because um then you know you're consistently gonna improve and consistently gonna go up no matter where you start whether you start as like good as you can start or as bad as you you're always gonna be going upwards and going towards that greatness or reaching just not greatness in the eyes of other people per se meaning like the popularity and the platform or whatever but greatness knowing that you can execute your craft at a higher level. Um, then uh, I'd say learn, learn the craft, practice the craft. Uh, that's another thing that because I don't consistently do, do roles, although I have the opportunity to do roles, I don't consistently do roles. Um, something I wish I would have done more often is practice my craft as much as possible even if it's not through opportunities but if it's just you committing to learning a different monologue every week and working on you know just continue to practice your craft by performing by doing it in front of people learn a monologue go outside do it i used to do that in college i used to do monologues in front of people outside for no fucking reason um and do that uh, practice your craft and then the last thing which is something I also need to learn is the business of acting um, how to make a living at this and I, I think there's multiple options and if you just limit yourself to Hollywood or Broadway then you don't see all these other options and you don't see the climb up the ladder to get to those options and it's not just um these things like uh, getting extra roles in, in film or whatever. Yes, you can learn things by being on set and all that stuff, right? But I feel like there are different markets out there, especially now that you can create your own content online. You can learn how to, um, you know, get followers and whatnot just so you can have a way to make a living right you can there there are other markets other countries where you can go and explore the market there even locally um if you, there are pay a lot of paid gigs locally you can do 
plays that are paid. You can do short films that are play, paid, independent projects that are paid, include, and you also open yourself up to the market out in New York and LA, Atlanta, all that other stuff. But just have an openness to explore. Fall in love with the grind. I like that. That's going to go in the intro for this show. I like that. <laughs> Fall in awesome. love with the grind. All right. <laughs> Zaire Silva, actor, writer, producer, basketball player. Thank you so much <laughs> for being on with us. And uh, I'm sure our audience will really appreciate all the insight and advice. Awesome. Thanks for having me. Thank you, everyone, for listening to this episode of The Working Experience. We'd like to thank our sponsors, One Circle Media. If you work for a studio, network, startup, or corporation and are looking for a partner to create media that will build, engage, and entertain your audience, reach out to me at john at onecirclemedia.com. I would love to hear from you. And that's it. The end. The sweet end. Until our next audio encounter.